0: Welcome to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist.
1: Whoa! My name's Jacob. I am a Christian. What are we doing, Jamal? We sound like we're entertaining my one-year-old nephew. Oh, wow, (laughs) jeepers! I'm not letting you near my one-year-old nephew.
0: (laughs) That was Um, awful. Yeah, but... But... we, we, We... uh, we are awful. I don't know. We're, we're great. We're, we're, we're something. we're filled with awe. That's kind of that's where I was going.
1: Oh, are you yeah. filled with awe? This I'm filled with awe at what
0: just happened. I, I'm filled with awe at the fact that we still have any listeners to this podcast. <laughs> that, that is a thing of wonder. <laughs> so, Jacob, when you stop laughing in your chair uncontrollably. <laughs> Uh, you you have an article for us today.
1: Yeah, I certainly do. It's uh, it's by Daka Keltner who has just uh, written a book. He's a professor. They they're a professor of psychology at UC Berkeley, and have written a book or the new science of everyday wonder and how it can transform your life. So today we are talking awfully awesomely something about awe. Do you cultivate awe in your life? I think. Jamar? It-
0: I think i tried to um it's probably not something i have expressly cultivated through a kind of religious focus but certainly i think you know in a lot of the travels around the world that i've done it's been a, in a pursuit of cultivating ore
1: mm-hmm. do you reckon people need to travel to cultivate awe? or oh no
0: absolutely not yeah. i think that there are lots of things that are wondrous and awe inspiring I- I- in everyday life but um but i mean like why is all good for me? Why should I be cultivating awe?
1: Well, apparently, if you cultivate awe in your life, it shifts your attention away from the self to what is around you. And in in one test, students went and looked upward in a stand of eucalyptus trees for a couple of minutes and reported less narcissism and entitlement than the control group. And this, this surprised me. They were more likely to offer help to a stranger in need nearby, so you know if you if you want to be altruistic, cultivate awe in your life, I guess is a takeout of this.
0: So to kind of to maybe to maybe jump straight to the point here, do you do you think that God is kind of the the ultimate thing to be or <laughs> inspired by, and and therefore like th- that is partially the, the benefit that God is conferring on us.
1: Well, I mean, yes, basically. Like, to me, this idea of cultivating awe really jibes with the idea of gratitude. Um, and like, there's a a bit of a gratitude movement going around the place at the moment. It, it seems like, of, um, but but it's deeply embedded in the Christian tradition of just. Always finding things to be grateful about. So the Apostle Paul writes, um, rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Um, and that sense of awe that we have when we're taken beyond ourselves. Another example in the article is um, if you stood by a, oh, what do you call it, like a, the fossils of a mm-hmm. T-Rex, then you are more likely to kind of feel less individ- individualistic and more connected to to all things, um, and if God is like the the ultimate big awesome thing, that that kind of makes sense. But also, part of seeing things that are bigger than ourselves and and seeing things that can bring us awe is just part of like giving thanks for the the amazing. ...ness of creation, right? And it doesn't even need to be big things, right? Like the the complexity that goes into a single cell. Someone was telling me recently that like, in, in their opinion, it's ridiculous that a single cell could just have somehow spawned from somewhere because it's so unbelievably complex with all of the different, the DNA and the RNA and, and all of the moving parts and however cells work, scientists can at me later. Um, but some people feel awe like the dew drop on a blade of grass and, and that kind of thing. And that's not a big thing, right? Like I can step on it. It's not
0: –
1: but it is. It's there's something amazing about it at the same time. Do you not think? Absolutely.
0: Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the interesting results of meditation and one of the things that I have observed when I have had particularly in-depth meditation is an absolute increase in awe. Mm. So, you know, um, one of the more memorable times I walked out of the meditation hall during a retreat and saw dandelions and they were the brightest yellow that I had ever perceived in my life. And there was this amazing yeah. sense of awe just at the color yellow from the flowers. You know, um, there are lots of stories of, of you know, dew drops on trees. Exactly. Of <laughs> yeah. people, you know, looking at things in this whole... Um, really interesting ways um Ajahn Brahm has a story of um going to the toilets after a meditation and being particularly inspired by <laughs> by what he saw in the bowl you know like it, it's, it's it's a known it's kind thing of a, it's a,
1: <laughs> again that two-year-olds can be particularly celebratory <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, it, but it, 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 it is a known thing it, sorry I, I think I think I'm sorry Jacob. yeah just a little bit of oh. Back there and continue,
0: yeah, yeah. Just, don't go too much, or you'll be, you'll be awe inspired, yeah, um, at the end of this podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is absolutely a um, a known effect of meditation. Um, and and yeah, to me, that speaks to I think partially the truth of the meditative practice, but also the truth of what's being said here. You know, I, mm. I think um, a sense of awe is, you know, I think it's one of the most spiritual. Feelings and emotions you can have. It it really does to me speak to, I guess to me, and again this might be a Buddhist conception rather than a Christian one, but but a real, a real truth and a real essence of spirituality that is, you know, kind of your own irrelevance and your own kind of Mm. smallness in the scheme of everything else, and 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 you know, that's a really big thing for spirituality because we live in a world that says that ourselves and how we feel about things as the arbiter of all good and all evil and all everything and the most important thing. And actually stepping out from that is, is a really important um, spiritual practice.
1: Yeah, totally. It, it reminds me of there's some words in Psalm 8 where the, the psalmist says, God, when I consider um, the work of your hands, the the moon and stars and sun that you created, all of this, what is a human being that you should care about them or a son of man that you should even like bother with them? Mm. Um, Yeah. And goes on to go, and yet you do. Mm. Um, Which for, for me, that's kind of part of the awesomeness of awe is that God is capable of this immense, insane, wonderful creation that has so much more complexity that we continue to find out about and still like cares about me and cares about humanity. So there's a, um, a hymn, Oh Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder, consider all the works your hands have made. See the, the forests and the hills and the... Um, and I, I cannot help but give praise. Um,
0: mm. Yeah. Is is there a specific Christian practice about cultivating awe? Well, I, th- I think the, the practice of
1: gratitude... Mm. would be the, the, the main one. one and and i don't know i don't know if that's necessarily cultivating or per se but it like it does point itself in that direction right like just be, being thankful to four things opens you up to being amazed by them and that doesn't i mean like a lot of um a lot of what we're talking about uh, the, what the article talks about here is just like awe at the natural world right and and the wonder of it all um, but that can even be you know just awe and thankfulness at a, a particular thing working itself out in a particular way you know in, in your day or something like that like seeing the gifts of God around you like I, I can be grateful for and I guess in some senses in awe of my marriage right like you know, how have you arranged things, God? That I like have the wife that I have, and that's wonderful, and it it just it works really well for us. Like that's a a thing to give thanks for, but it's also kind of awesome
0: in a mm-hmm. sense. It's interesting, right? Because like I think t- I'm trying to unpack this in my head as I'm saying this, so yeah. I'm, I'm not not fully settled settled on this one. But to me, there are like two ways of interpreting that feeling of awe, right? Like mm. you kind of got the way you described of like, you know, the world is how it is and there's a kind of a clear sense of um God designed something this way and then awe is a kind of recognition of how amazing and great that is and how kind of almost well planned it is. Mm. And then there's this other sense which I think is more of a Buddhist sense, but it's this idea that like that the world is inherently random. That the that, that you know that the fact that you you know no no offense to you, to your wife she, she's she's great but like <laughs> but like the fact that you have the wife you have is kind of just an act of chance and that you that anybody could be equally as happy with with any other person and that it's this is kind of human ability to adapt and to kind of to find Wonder in the mundane and in things Mm -hmm. that aren't particularly special or Mm -hmm. in things that are, you know... I I think the the example of awe in the natural world is kind of like that, right? Where it's like you could see nature as, oh, wow, look at this massive, amazing thing that's been created. Or you could also see it as, oh, wow, look at just how how uniquely wondrous i find just this random conglomeration of things and the, it's almost it's wonder mm. not only in the external thing that is being wondered at but also wonder in the ability for the human mind to find that wonder
1: yeah absolutely and and like i would say it's it's a bit of a circular argument i guess but like that's because the human mind was designed to be able to find that wonder, right? Like we're, we're meaning-making machines who process all of this seemingly random chant stuff and we assign value to it and narrative and stories and, and all of that stuff. Um, and, and I would say that that's because we're created as part of a big story and, and what we're doing is interpreting the world around us in a way that could be Like you you could look at that and go, well, that's just us putting meaning on stuff. Or you could go, well, maybe we're supposed to put meaning on stuff. Mm. Um, And maybe maybe we're wired that way for a reason and it's not just random chance. Mm. Um, Because like there is a sense in which this wonder at stuff is or, or can be kind of subjective, right? Like something that I find amazing and inspires awe in me the same thing may or may not inspire or in you in, in any given day. And the the marriage example is kind of a good one, right? Like in that, I, th- I think there's something about love and kind of not not so much the romantic relationship per se, but the, the committed partnership of people that is like, I, I, I don't buy for a second that there is one person in the world for me and I just happened to find the one person that was for me. There's a certain amount of subjectivity in a, and what you bring of yourself and the lens with which you receive the other person and, mm-hmm. and how you find awe in them or are thankful for them or however you want to put that that kind of opens you up to loving them in a particular way that that isn't necessarily unique to that individual, but it becomes unique to that individual. And could I have had a happy marriage with someone else? Well, yeah, I could have, and that would have been great, but I have the happy marriage I have, and fantastic. Like, mm. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying for a second that, hey, look, Jacob has a happy marriage. There's an argument for God, right? Mm. But I am saying that I am thankful to God for my... Happy marriage.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do Do you think it's possible to be, or inspired by things that are not good?
1: Oh, absolutely. depend Well, depending on how we define not good, right? Like, sure. I reckon steam trains are awesome. This This is the kind of nerd I am. I'm let it, letting it out on this podcast, right? I I love steam trains. I reckon they're really cool. I reckon that if we had as many steam trains as we currently have, electric trains, global warming would be in a much worse spot and pollution would be all over the shop in a way that would really, really, really not be good and, and possibly it would have been better for the world overall had steam trains never been invented. But so, they so were and I think they're awesome.
0: In, in a risk in a risk of turning this into the Christian Buddhist Bar Steam Train Podcast, <laughs> um, what is it that is awe-inspiring about steam trains?
1: I honestly can't quite put my finger on it, right? Like there's there's a part of me that wants to say, well, it's man's ability to harness the forces of. There's something almost, I don't know, almost natural about the process that there doesn't seem to be with other engines. Like it's it's almost alive with the the way it works. Does that?
0: Yeah, make sense? And, and, and the reason I'm asking that is because I think I guess I guess my. My, my running theory, and again, this is, this is a podcast full of things that I haven't thought out properly. Um, but my running theory is that the bits that you might find amazing about a steam train are actually bits that are themselves kind of good, right? That, sure, the composite mm. of all those bits that the steam train engine itself is probably not a net good for the world, but what you're actually seeing in the steam train is a representation of human ingenuity, of a kind of a... A process of nature that is occurring and an ability to connect with that process of nature and and kind of use it to to kind of do something new and interesting and so it's creativity and there's all these different things that if you really drill down to it that actually what what is causing the emotion of awe there is actually stuff that that is quite different to the product itself
1: yeah I I can see that and that just raises the, the interesting question of, like, well, what is that emotion of awe? Because, like, I, I said jokingly at the beginning of the podcast that we're awful as in filled with awe, but like the, I, I think I hope the etymology of those words kind of comes together because, because there are things that you you could say inspire awe that are not good, right? Like, if, if we think of a um, a, a massacre or something like that—that that you you look at it and say, "Like, wow, how did that even happen?" Those are the same words that we could use about, like, the Grand Canyon, right? Like, wow, how did that I, even I happen? Don't, I don't think the emotions different- are the same, though. No, no, the emotions not the same. That's that's kind of my point. And this is a long-winded way of um, wanting to crow horn, uh, crow Shoehorn? Yeah, crowbar, crowbar in a, a, a Terry Shoe Pratchett a quote. I'm, I'm shoebarring in a Terry Pratchett quote, which is just great. Elves are wonderful. They provoke wonder. Elves are marvellous. They cause marvels. Elves are fantastic. They create fantasy. Elves are glamorous. They project glamour. Elves are enchanting. They weave enchantment. Elves are terrific. They beget terror. No one ever said elves are nice. Elves are bad. And so I'm wondering if there's like, yeah, are there... Or like, are there things that are awesome or, or full? Like, are they like two sides of the same coin? Or well, and I just
0: wanted to get the Patrick quoting. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> but like, I, I I wonder here whether the whether maybe the better word for this and like uh, again, you know, words are all malleable. But like, I wonder whether actually wonder is a better word than mm. or for what we're talking about. Yeah, right? I like because that. I think or you're right. Or can be inspired by things that are awful or can be inspired by things that are kind of quite dark mm. but but yeah that the i i is the same true of wonder or is wonder more uniquely kind of speaking to the brightness in the world the kind of the
1: wonder kind of almost provokes more disney tones for me than mm-hmm. awe in a way which i think is what you're getting at yeah a little yeah. bit yeah
0: um yeah which is interesting i i Again, I I broadly agree with everything this article is talking about, right? Like, I I think the the kind of I think both the fact that triggering wonder and awe is good for you and has pro social outcomes, absolutely, completely in line with that. See, I was a little surprised by that
1: that that the, the idea of awe promotes altruism, like that that surprised me a little. Really, looking at the article, yeah. Why? I just, I, well, I didn't, I I didn't expect that. This is how surprises work, right? Like, as in, I, I can, I can totally get the two going together, but I reckon my assumption going into it was probably that the causal effect was the other way around, that a person who was more altruistic was more likely
0: to see awe. Well, I, I'm sure it goes both ways, right? Well, and that's what this is yeah. suggesting, right? Um, yeah. uh, but to me that makes sense because I think this, this kind of goes to the second point that I really like about this that is made here, that it inspires a decentering of self, mm. you know, and, and I think that that to me is the big one, right? That this idea that when you see something that is awe-inspiring, particularly in nature, you know, it, it reminds us that, we are not the center of everything. And I think that is yeah. heavily associated with pro-social behavior and with altruism and, and all of that, right? Like when, mm. when I'm no longer as caught up in, Oh, well, you know, oh, what I have for lunch tomorrow is really important. Um, then I'm much more likely to, rather than spend $15 on lunch tomorrow, uh, you know, give, give, 10 of those dollars to someone who needs it and keep five for lunch tomorrow, right? Yep. Like, yeah.
1: yeah. It kind of puts things in perspective. Yeah. And and I think that's something, like, if we go back to kind of God being the ultimate source of awe, I think that's something that's going on there, right? Which is that to, to focus on God is a decentering of self, right? Like, it, it's, um, you know, and I get Buddhism goes about this a different way, but it's that sense that I am not the most important thing in the universe um, because I cannot make a gum forest it turns out I can kind of plant one but Mm -hmm. that's that's working with raw materials that someone else has given me
0: Mm, yeah um yeah it's fascinating Uh, so um one thing that was actually really, really awe-inspiring the other day, these Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they, they ran into Nasruddin.
1: I'm at the always bar. awe-inspired when a Christian and Buddhist walk into a bar. Oh, well, that's Especially good. Especially when Nasruddin's there. It yeah. happens every week. Um,
0: <laughs> and, 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 and this time Nasrudin's in the bar. Um, and, and it, you know, Start up a chat with Nasrudin as you always do, uh, and, Nas- and they go, well, what's going on? What's going on, Nazzy? Like, you know, what, how's how's life? What, what, what are you doing? And Nasrudin says, "Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm actually I've got a new business idea. Oh, here we go. Yeah, and and Nasrudin goes, well, like I'm I'm opening I'm opening up a uh, it, it's a business that's it's kind of like a funeral parlor, but it's like a pl- funeral planning parlor. So like we we plan the funerals, we we help everyone with all those kinds of things. Um, but it, it's actually Really uniquely for people of no specific faith, um, okay. and yeah, you know, the Christian and the Buddhist are like, oh, okay, like, yeah, what are you going to call it? And this really goes. Ah, oh, I am going to call it diagnostic services.
1: <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, that's it. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so, does this? I mean, you know, I feel like this is one of those articles again where you really go, Yeah, cool, that's kinda right. Like, is yeah. there anything in this that you that you don't think clicks? Is there anything that you feel like kind of doesn't align with with how you how you see various various things or how God sees various things?
1: Uh, I'm afraid not. Like I, I think like this is just to to me, this is just one of those things that it, you know, turns out is a truth about life that a researcher has gone and empirically studied and written a book about that, like, points towards God, right? And it doesn't, again, it doesn't necessarily point towards God. God is not the only explanation for the reason why there might be awe in the world. Mm-hmm. But I look at it and go, well, yeah, that checks out with just
0: the entirety of Christian thought. Well, and and actually, I think if it's, it's interesting. I, I think if you were to ask me to point towards how I could define whether or not God is or is not in a thing. I think awe or wonder would be the thing I would point to. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: Like, so I would almost use awe and wonder as a diagnostic tool in itself to determine whether or not God is present. So, I mean, I think fundamentally, I would think that if something is awe-inspiring, that to me is an indication of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, in a Buddhist concept to me, it's probably an indication of, you know, it's an indication of the something being kind of visibly of the law of nature or, or I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. something that that is particularly in tune with kind of, you know, my ability. to. It it doesn't sit as neatly in Buddhism, I think. I I think think maybe aura and oneness plays a different role in Buddhism where it's more about that decentering of self and more about the kind of, identifying the, the places where where you can kind of see the world for, as it is. But I, but I think there's a really neat alignment in Christianity where, yeah, I, I think something is awe-inspiring. That's probably, you know, to me that, that thing is kind of of God or has God in it or however you want yeah. to describe that. And I think that is probably more related to the emotion of awe than to any other that I can think of.
1: That's that's really, like that's interesting for a couple of theological reasons, right? Which are yeah. tangentially related to awe. If the criterion for whether God is present in something or not is whether it provokes awe, that like just raises the interesting question of, well, where where is God in deep suffering? Or like the, the question that has... Exercised theologians for most of the last seventy years, like where was God in the Holocaust? Right, mm. like how how does that how does that even work? And I think there's a a couple of responses to that from a Christian perspective. One is that like just this idea of thankfulness, and that as you're more thankful or as you cultivate more or more in your life, um, you you kind of Get struck more by the awesomeness of mundane things, and so it's not just the wonderful national park and the big gum trees or the T. Rex skeleton or whatever it is. But you start to to notice it in the the movement of an ant or the the beauty of a podcast microphone. I don't know. I'm not I'm not particularly awestruck by these podcast microphones, but like you see it more in the mundane. Um, but just it, it, interesting to re- reflect on that. Like that, I I would say that where God has been most obviously at work in the entirety of human history is like the, well, the resurrection of Jesus, but the death that kind of came before that, which is an objectively awful thing, but is something that Christian tradition for you know hundreds, thousands of years has reflected on as awesome and like meditated on and pictured and, and gone like literally, oh my God, you did this, and and that is wonderful. Like it's horrible and it's wonderful. So it's mm. this terrible thing that has also provoked great awe in Christian history, and that's just a
0: interesting paradox. Yeah, no, I think it is. Um, well, I I've been pretty awe inspired by this podcast, Jake.
1: Uh, always, Jamal. I've got one last kind of question for you yeah,
0: off sir. the off the article
1: here. Um, DACA closes by uh, saying, "Our, our crisis, crises of self-focus, loneliness, and cynicism are, in many ways, crises of individualism." I think we're in furious agreement. Today's mindfulness movement, however, however well intended, may only further entrench an individualistic view of our mental and social life, and perhaps unwittingly perpetuate these crises.
0: I think I think we've read an article about that one.
1: Well, yeah, and this this is what I was going to ask. Is like it is is this so ultimately a false dichotomy between mindfulness and being inspired by
0: awe? Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I, I, I think I would probably talk of mindfulness, at least Buddhist mindfulness, much in the same way you spoke about kind of that ability to see God in more things. Mm. Right. Um, I think mindfulness is a skill. And when you hone that skill, you can be inspired by more things and you can see the wonder in more things. Um, you know, again, I think we, as we spoke, as we spoke about in our mindfulness industry episode, um, the that tool and that skill can be used for the wrong reasons, and it absolutely can be used to entrench individualistic views, and I think it often is. And I think what um, what what DACA is um, referring to here probably is the version of mindfulness that does just go well it's all about you so just sit there and think about yourself and you know fully mm. learn who you are and eat pray love and then you'll be fine <laughs> um and like but actually i think true mindfulness or mindfulness that is grounded in ethics that is grounded in um an actual understanding of of what you're being mindful of can really do the opposite and, mm. and you, know, it, it, you know it can really help inspire or yeah and Mindfulness is just a tool. Um, it, it can do wondrous things, and it can do terrible things.
1: Could like elves? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, could you would, would you be comfortable saying like that? That's almost sort of a, a test of your mindfulness of like, does it throw you out in the world with more? Or
0: no, I don't think okay. I would because like I think like again that that's implying that if you are more mindful, you are more you know, seeing more wonder in the world when, again, like, you can be super mindful and be a dickhead about it. Like, <laughs> you can, absolutely can. Like, yeah,
1: yeah the, the mindfulness is neutral. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the
0: mindfulness itself is neutral. It's about what underpins the mindfulness, um, you know. This,
1: this was your joke, I think, that day of the, yeah, I was aware. I, I was <laughs> yeah, mindful yeah. of them coming and stealing
0: the furniture. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I'm glad that stuck with you. Um, <laughs> Some no, of them do. Yeah, and, and I think... Um, and yeah, and, and maybe this is what it is, right? And oh, actually, okay. Here's a nice one to finish on: um, the the analogy between awe and wonder being God, and the Buddhist version of that is maybe awe and wonder is representing the Buddha nature of things in mm-hmm. the kind of Zen tradition, where where the Buddha nature is the kind of the inherent oneness of a thing with the world. And actually, when you're seeing awe and wonder, what you're seeing is a thing. You're observing that thing's Buddha nature, and mm. your mindfulness can help you observe things Buddha nature, uh, and it can help you observe your own Buddha nature. Um, and it certainly helps me observe Kevin MacLeod's Buddha nature,
1: which we see in all this music, which I'll, I'll roll in a moment. Because just a last thought on that yeah. is that there's a sense in which the the Christian way of putting that is that that is a, a foretaste of heaven or a foretaste of the the new creation that you, you're seeing a glimpse into that and, and maybe that's somewhat analogous to, to Buddha nature. There's an idea for another week. We'll see how we go. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Kevin MacLeod has a Buddhist nature, you reckon? Buddha nature?
0: Yeah, oh, Kevin MacLeod absolutely has a Buddha nature. The Kevin MacLeod's music is inherently awesome.
1: And we, <laughs> we thank him for it. Uh, this has been an awesome episode, Jamal. You, you can tell us whether you found it awesome or awful at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com
0: uh, And only if you found it awesome you can send it to a friend and tell them about the podcast. Uh, get them to, to listen back, um, send us their favourite episodes and, and one day we'll have an awesome amount of listeners.
1: We'll see you next week.